Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a podcast about where business is done. So pull up a chair and join your host, Ken Baden. All right, all right. Welcome back to another episode of The Kitchen Table. I'm your host, Ken Baden, trying something new today where I'm just going to repeat what you just heard 30 seconds ago from Sebastian's lovely voice. And I'll just say it again. Welcome back to The Kitchen Table. We've got a very special guest in the house today, all the way from actually, Marv, where are you in Texas? I'm in Salem, Oregon. Salem, Oregon. And that's not to be Dallas because I'm there 20, 30 times a year. <laughs> Every time I see you is in Texas. So I think uh, I just kind of assumed you were a Texas boy, but I would have never, if you would have given me a hundred guesses, dude, not one of them would have been Salem, Oregon. First of all, who the hell knew there was a Salem anything other than i think massachusetts right that's that's the yeah, one everybody knows right. right yep so you're like the the other salem that nobody knows yeah on the other side with all the hippies i was gonna say dude like what is what is life like in salem oregon a whole lot of things going on over there or? yeah i mean it's the pacific northwest so it's beautiful we spend a lot of times in nature you can hike the mountains we're an hour from the coast so whether you want to go up a mountain and snowboard or you want to go down to the coast and enjoy the beach, you can do that here in Oregon. So there's so, a lot of skiing and stuff, snowboarding up there? Skiing, snowboarding, hiking, mountain biking, surfing. Uh, really? Snowboarding. You name it. Uh, we got it. I mean, that's why I moved from Dallas because I lived in Dallas for 10 years and then I moved up here in 07. And because uh, I, I came up here on one trip and in that two week time span, I went snowboarding i drove a side-by-side -side on the dunes i went to the beach and had a good time yeah you know i'm like man you can't do all this shit in texas because i literally everything was within an hour or two from my hotel and so were you born and raised in texas because that's where we're going with this right now big marv as he is so affectionately known not just marv not to be confused with the other marvs that you may know this is big marv if you didn't know now you know this is big marv big okay. marv in the house all the way from oregon Marv, you came from Dallas or what? I mean, you're always... No, <laughs> you're I, that I seemed a little aggressive, by the way. Did you come from Dallas or what, dude? You piece of crap. Are you born I, and raised I, Dallas or what? No, I was just in Dallas as a teenager, actually. I was born and raised all over the South. I, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, parts of Florida, part of Georgia. You know, I moved over 30 times before I went to high school. Military uh, brat? No, just uh, my mom is a single mom with nine kids, and like we just moved all over the place. We slept in churches sometimes. We slept on floors of whoever would have us. We slept in our cars. Like it, it was a uh, it was a pretty crazy upbringing. Your mom had nine kids and moved you all over anywhere she could possibly afford to uh, to keep you all. And did she manage to keep you all all nine? Yeah, she can. Oh, she yeah. can I think that's where I got my work ethic from. Oh yeah, mom. Oh yeah. She held it down for us. That's actually really inspiring, man. Honestly, you know what I mean? Because I'm sure as a kid, there might have been a little resentment as far as moving around and all of those things. And then when we get older, we realize how fucking hard it is to do to do life, you know. And I can't imagine a single mom holding down nine kids, but it sounds like she did everything in her fucking power to make sure that happened. So right off the bat, man, I. uh I understand why we're in the same space. You know what I mean? Like, it seems like there's that, I don't know, you know, 
I've talked to a lot of people. I was just on Ryan's podcast and he was talking about like, you know, you never hear the opposite of your story. In other words, you never hear someone like, oh, I started drinking or I started getting high and everything just got great. There's always like, there's always this backstory, man, where it's like either things sucked and you wanted to get better or you were broke and you didn't want to be broke anymore. Some adversity at some point, that adversity gets, uh, you know, spun into purpose or drive, you know? And I think that that's that factor that a lot of entrepreneurs just kind of have. It's very, you know, I don't know, at least the guys and gals that I know, there's not a whole lot that just things went swimmingly in the, our entire life. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to jump into this space and do great here. I'm sure they exist, but at the very least, the people that I encounter and that I end up interviewing kind of have a similar story. It didn't have to be drugs or alcohol. It could just be, hey, look, man, I grew up and my mom was my inspiration and held it down for nine kids and had to move 50 different states. And there's only 50 of them, but, uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. Um... Right. Would you was, say that impacted your, I mean, you already said that's where you got your work ethic. So what was that? What, what did that do for you? Well, first of all, you landed in Dallas, what, right around high school? I, I was 12 or 13 when we, when we got to Dallas. And then I was in Oak Cliff, which is Oak Cliff's a lot nicer neighborhood these days. But back then that was, it was the, the hood. Um, so it's a pretty rough neighborhood. and. You know, I uh, I built my first computer when I was 10 years old, you know, so I was the only one in my family that had a te technical knack for anything. And so, like, ever since I was a kid, my mom was like, you're going to be the one that changes our family. You're going to go get a job at Microsoft and and you're going to get rich and you're going to change, you know, this family's legacy. And so, like, she really nurtured that and encouraged that. So I was just a super nerd growing up. I'd be quiet in the corner trying to ignore all the bullshit that was going on around us. And uh, I ended up getting a job at Microsoft when I moved uh, to the Pacific Northwest. And so, you move out there for that job? No, I, I went out there on a whim, you know. So my mom met a dude on the Internet. She flew out to Washington State. Uh, they ended up getting married. So she migrated all my younger siblings that weren't adult shit out to Washington State. I went up for a vacation for a couple weeks. And like in that couple week time span, I went snowboarding i hit the sand dunes i uh went out to the coast it was just an amazing couple of weeks and i was like man fuck flat hot ass texas i'm moving to the northwest and like i, I went back home i quit my job and then i moved to the northwest because i found out microsoft was in seattle so i'm like i'm gonna go get a job at microsoft and uh, within a year I had a job at microsoft and so it was literally just a self-fulfilling prophecy or one of those visualization things where you were like, this is what I'm going to do. And in a year or less than a year, you made it happen. Yeah. Was there anything or, or you know, is there anything that you could tell our listeners outside of just, hey, I, I saw this goal and I committed it to memory? Anything that you could advise them on how you made that, how you manifested that? And of course, because... And I'll tell you why I'm asking this is I get a lot of flack for how much I push like visualization or manifestation, or at least I feel like I do. Maybe that's just my own self-consciousness. You know what I mean? But maybe I feel like a weirdo talking about it all the time, but dude, I fucking believe it, man. Like, I feel like I'm almost like a, a credit to that. And I feel like, so are you, you know, you, you said, okay, I moved out here. Nothing, nothing to do with that. 
But once I found out they were out here, I decided, okay, cool, I'm going to go do this. And I didn't have a plan B. I imagine you didn't either, did you? No, I didn't. I said, I'm going to go figure this shit out. My, actually, my first job up there was like working like tech support at a call center. You know, within the first few weeks of being there, I actually landed an interview at Microsoft. But at wow. the time, I was a cocky motherfucker, you know, like I was top of my class. I was one of the best engineers that I knew. Anyway, so I was like, no, nobody can do this better than me. And so, like, that's how I presented myself in the in the interview. Back then, I I wore, like, goth makeup. I had, like, six lip rings. My ears were straight, <laughs> super big. I was just, like, this fucking asshole, you know? And, like, I went to the interview. I didn't even dress nice for the interview. I had T-shirt and shorts on. And then, and then the guy looked at me. He goes, you're a brilliant person. You know, I think you'd be perfect for the job. And I know that you guys in the in the uh, in the server room, y'all wear what you want, but you don't come to the interview dressed for the job that you have. You come to the interview dressed for the job that you want and the job that you're going to get. And so, like, it was a lesson for me in like swallowing my ego a little bit because I didn't get a chance, you know, to a year later to basically correct that interview. So that second that second interview, I went in there, cleaned up the a nicer suit because I wanted to lead the team. Like when I enter a team, I'm there to be the leader. You know, I'm there to engineer and architect the solution. And so I, I when I went back the second time, I landed the job the second time. And then I ended up leading that team within three months. So. Wow. Three months. <laughs> yeah. At Microsoft. Yeah, it pissed a lot of people off because they're like, who the fuck is this? There's veterans on the team that were there for a couple of years and I got, I got over them for the promotion. And it's just because when I showed up, I, I'm relentless. You know, I have relentless work ethic. I'm there until the job gets done. And I'm always looking for a solution. You know, um, a lot of people get lost up in their day job and they're like, oh, that's not my job. That's not my fault. Send it to that department. Send it to this. Send it to that. They, they just wouldn't be proactive with anything. And so, like, the minute I showed up on the team, in the first couple of weeks, I already written scripts that replace jobs with other people, you know, like that's what I'm in the business of is I sell time. And so I'm like, how can I program solutions to save the most amount of time for the teammates and the team members and people just naturally like me. And so like I, I got into the team, I showed up, I was relentless. I let them know day one, I'm going to be leading this team. And within three months, the promotion came up and I got it. So you let the team know day one hey i'm going to be leading this team yeah i have to let them know like hey i hope y'all was ready. the reaction to that well received yeah. it, it, it was well received by the new guys right because the new guys feed on that energy and the new guys are already tired of the old guys that do the same shit the same way for years you know and of course the old guys like yeah just another guy yeah, everybody talks a big game but nobody does it you know um and so we have you get you get a, got a nice mix blend, but for the most part, every everybody liked me. Everybody likes my energy how I show up. And so it because it, it's not only about saying like I'm going to lead this team, but then now you got to act like a leader and make the team want you to lead them. Or well, yeah, now you can your the mouth can say what it wants, but you know if you're anything like me, and I feel like you probably are. You know, I watch people's feet. You know what I mean. Your feet will take you, sometimes your feet, not sometimes, always, the feet do the talking. You know what I mean? So you're, the talk's in, in people's actions. And so you had to follow that up with actions. And it sounded like you did because you ended up leading the team in, in three months. And so there was something you just said. You said, I'm in the business 
of time or, or more specifically giving people back time or people being what entrepreneurs or can you elaborate on that? Well, that's where it started at Microsoft, right? Was I was engineering systems for their DOD clients, which is Department of Defense. If people don't know, that's like the U.S. military, um, their enterprise clients, you know, and it was migrated. This was when the cloud was first like launched to the world. This is like beginning days of 0365. And like our job was to migrate people from whatever solution they were using to the Microsoft cloud. And I had to do it as efficiently as possible with as few humans as possible. Like I have one project where I wrote a single script and it relieved an entire team of 30 people. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately for those 30 people, they got laid off because of my, my script that moved over to different projects or whatever the hell they did, but it's because it was all manual data entry. So when you do that inside of a business, right? Like I've gone into sales teams and these sales teams are using spreadsheets and all this other bullshit to manage and track their leads. And so I'll save every single sales rep 10, 20 hours a week. And now when you give every single sales rep on a team of 20, 10 to 20 hours a week back, now you're going to double and triple revenue because they got an extra 10 or 20 hours to sell for you. And so I always tell people I sell time, which is the one resource you can't actually buy. Mm -hmm. I sell time because we build automated systems that's going to get you micro minutes back, right? Like if you do the same five minute task 10 times a day, now that's 50 minutes that you just spent. You compound that by a week, that's five hours. Compound that by a month, like that's 20 hours. I just saved you on a five-minute task that you dismiss because it just takes five minutes. That's some of the principle behind, you know, get up two hours earlier than you otherwise would normally. And those two hours accumulate damn near a month at the end of the year and extra work that you've gained that most people who sleep, you know, eight to ten hours uh or just sleep in you know that those are the types of things and the type of thinking you have to have to get that that leg up you know um so you're at microsoft you're in there running the team within what three months you said or less than a year in three months now i happen to know now and we are in entrepreneur self uh not self-help but but personal and professional development geared uh podcast right the kitchen table that's where business gets done and big marv is no exception big marv now what's the name of your company again it's the uh, automotive goat is that what it is or would you go ahead so excuse me automation automation goat Corporation. automotive that's not even a actually is it yeah, is that a word yeah, automotive, automotive. But, it, but it's not the name of your company. <laughs> so, I have automated automotive businesses too. So, I mean, it works. Well, but, but to be clear, it is Automation Goat. Yes. Automation Goat is the NLLC. It's a, it's an S Corp. So, uh, I mean, I guess that's technically an LLC and S Corp. Well, either way, I mean, I'm just being clear on the name, man. I want to make sure your business gets credit for what it is and uh tell us a little bit about that um so one i picked goat because i love double entendres right so goat is like i plan on building a farm called marvin's world and herding goats and you know so it's like that's why the logo is a goat head but goat also stands for greatest of all time so it's like i got my tribe of goats that i'm turning into the greatest of all time in the industry is that what's on your hat this is just my big Mars brand. So th this was a mistake that I made in entrepreneurship or entrepreneurship. 
because like it built the big mark brand and who i am today but i can't exit the big mark brand because nobody's going to pay 100 mil for my face so or maybe they will one day i don't know but that's why i created the automation goat corporation because i'm like i needed something that wasn't my face as the brand well, that's smart but you know you know how many people push that personal branding and effort to but I think you hit the nail on the head there. The personal branding is so important because all of your subsequent businesses then benefit from the success of your personal brand. However, I guess if there's no other, if if that's it, just the personal brand, well then you're kind of you're kind of limited there. So yeah, you're kind of limited to being an influencer. <laughs> yeah. Well, good on you for catching that, and good on you for okay. I'm going to leverage this brand by starting another business and naming that now. The successes of my personal brand will uh, coincide with the successes of my my other businesses. So, you know, what do you do mainly? And again, I don't want to skip too far around because we've gone from Microsoft. Now, how did you decide, by the way, from Microsoft, like I'm going to go and do this, you know, automation goat brand or it sounds like you did big bar first, but either way, what was that key point where you're like, you know what, I'm going to jump into the entrepreneur space. Well, I, I always kind of like built websites and stuff as a side hustle, you know, like I built websites for years before I even got my job at Microsoft. And then as a side thing at Microsoft, I was building websites for people. And, um, you know, my whole life I was told, like, you know, just get good grades in school. You're going to go to college. You're going to get a job at Microsoft. Like, and so like, that's what I worked towards my entire life was like this, this coveted six figure salary at some big company. You know, and then four years into Microsoft, I I I got it finally. A house way bigger than I needed, huge 40 by 40 shop, 20 cars in the driveway, eating steak every night, more fake friends than I could, you know, even keep up with six figure salary. And I was like, man, is, is this it? Like this can't be like everything there is to life. You know, and I was actually getting kind of depressed. And then actually when, when you rise the ranks at Microsoft, it becomes less and less about your tech, your technical knowledge and more and more about politics. Right. So there was this project that we were working on because like I got into Microsoft and I built a reputation where I was jumping from contract to contract every three to six months because I had a team of engineers that now trusted me and they would jump contracts with me. Right. Because a lot of people, when they get a job at Microsoft, they like, they just want to stay in that same contract and they'll sit there for 20 years. Right? Not That's not me. I want to make as much as I can around. And so um, we were jumping contract to contract and basically we're like, hey, you got a year to fix it. But if you fix it in less than, you know, a year, like we got bonuses depending on the milestones that we were able to complete a project. And so I had this team of engineers that was traveling with me on, on this contract we had to automate a server and they had a team of uh, over 30 guys over in India that was manually doing all this data entry. And uh, we came up with a solution within a month of the contract, right? And that was unheard of. And that's why they like bringing my team in because we always did it faster than anybody, anybody else. So we engineered a solution, but they wouldn't deploy the solution. And so I wrote, so every single weekend, they're calling my guys at two, three in the morning, all hands on deck, let's, let's get this fixed. And then my team's coming to me like, Marv, what the hell's going on? 
we already engineered a solution. Why are we still getting woken up on the weekends? You know, and so basically I wrote this email to upper management and was like, yo, what the hell? Implement my implement our solution. We're trying to move to the next contract because also we don't get our bonus if they don't deploy it in a certain amount of time. And so um, they basically called a meeting in there and they were like, Marv, if you were anybody else, we would have fired you immediately because you can't talk like that to upper management. <laughs> and so um, I was like, well, I don't give a damn. I have a responsibility to my guys, mm-hmm. right? My guys are trusting that I'm leading them on the right path. We engineered a solution and we're not deploying the solution for whatever reason you guys come up with for not engineering and deploying the solution. But I found out that the project manager on it, all the members in India that, because what we deployed would completely relieve that team. Oh, right? wow. This wouldn't be the first time that I've done it either, right? Like that's what they bring us in for is I'm about to save them over a million dollars a year in overhead. And so um, we found out that it was all his cousins, brothers, whatever, because it's just data entry. So it's all personal friends and family. And he told them, hey, y'all got a guaranteed job for a year. They weren't expecting us to do it in the amount of time that we did. So basically, since they're the client, they get to dictate when we deploy the solution. And they wanted us to just still be all hands on deck. And I'm like, I'm sorry, guys, I have a responsibility to my team. So if y'all want to make them do that, then y'all can make them do that. But we either deploy the solution or this is my last day here. And they were just basically, hey, well, we enjoyed having you, but we're not deploying the solution. So I handed in my badge and my laptop that day and left. Hell yeah, dude. That actually is. I love that. (laughs) I love that story because finally you know one that ends in like sticking it to them so i thought that was going to end differently but i i prefer that you actually because dude you got to come out on top you know what i mean and then you went and you started your own brand and how long would you say before it successfully kind of got to where it is now because we've got a book right you've written a book and the book is kind of like the prelude or the backbone i guess of of what it is you're doing now i'm going to talk a little bit about that and what is that book by the way it's the personal brand blueprint. You can get it on Amazon. It's by Big Marv, obviously. Um, but I would encourage you to go to my website to get it instead of Amazon, because all the ones that come through my website, I personally sign them and include a gift in every order. Um, the website is marvinsworld.us. Uh, marvinsworld.us? Yep. Awesome. And we'll put that in the notes on this as well, but go ahead. And so... Um, I already knew I was going to exit Microsoft, you know, but I wanted to save up like 15 grand before I left. And I think I only had like seven grand in the bank when I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm out. And uh, I started getting hit with ads by Billie Jean. You know, Billie Jean is marketing. This was back in 2016. Um, Then I started ingesting his course. And then at the same time of me quitting Microsoft, he was putting on his first live thing in San Diego. So for me to go all in, right, because if I go to events, I want the VIP access. I want to talk to the speakers. I don't want to just be general mission in the back of the fucking room. And I was like, I'm leaving Microsoft. I want the opportunity to directly ask Billy, like, what the hell am I going to do now? Because I just quit Microsoft. And so I, uh, I spent every penny, almost every penny I had. It was like six grand to go down there, get the hotel at the Hard Rock and get the vip access for two days like i wanted to like pay that and join his mastermind his mastermind at the time was only five grand which is not a lot compared to what he charges today for 
and but I still I just didn't have it, you know. So I went down there and I was reading Russell Brunson's book called Dot Com Secrets. And in that book, he talks about you need an attractive character, you need an avatar, you need somebody that people are gonna fall in love with. And so I'm like, well, people aren't gonna fall in love with Marvin Kaufman. So I'm gonna come up with this big Marv brand. And like that's gonna be my attractive character and my avatar. So I get down to San Diego, I get in the room with Billy, and I get to ask him my question. And I'm like, hey, and I'm, I'm fucking shy as hell. Hey, so um, my name is Marvin, and I uh just left Microsoft and I'm trying to build a business. Now I know I can build websites and help people, but in the past, when I've built websites, I've gotten complaints that people aren't magically getting customers. This is before I knew about traffic and marketing that you can't just build a website and expect people to come. Um, and he just says, I already know who you are, because at the time he actually invested in all his students. You know, he, he knew who we all were. He watched our content and what we were doing, at least the ones that were showing up in the group anyways. Um, and he's like, you're motherfucking Big Marv. You're ex-Microsoft. You're not just some fucking 997 guru. Off, off of the fucking Facebook. What you need to do is you need to stop being a bitch and you need to go home and you need to be Big Marvin. You need to build a fucking brand around it. And I was like, all right, that's what I'm going to do. And then within three months, I was making 30K a month. Hell yeah, dude. That's actually really cool that Billy went and like invested in his students like that too. And look how far that guy's come, man. Like you said, 5K, which it's so relative, man, because, and I love, you know, Hormozy's story is like this. Your story is like this. These guys where it's like, you took your last, it's 5k and you only had seven, right? Or it's, you only had a hundred bucks and it was $99, right? Like it's all relative to what you had. It wiped you out and you were willing to bet the, the farm on if I can just get in front of the right person. And that says so much about you and your confidence and the confidence that you have to have in yourself, you know, being willing to bet all in on you. And that is, I think, the X factor that most people that I know that are successful in the entrepreneur space, really any space in life, man, and they're willing to go all in on them. You know, I'm the same way. I may not be confident in, I may not even know what it is that I'm getting into, but I'm, I'm, I'm confident enough in my ability to learn it that if you can teach it to me, I'll do what you tell me to do. Just give me a chance, you know? And so that's badass, dude. And so Billy kind of, you know, just sort of what, I guess, backed what you were selling and was like, fucking right, double down, go. Yeah, that, I mean, that's, he he gave me the motivation that I needed to, to go home. But then it's like, you got to go to work after that, right? You got to fucking grind after that. You have to, like, I was washing cars at Enterprise. I was fucking doing DoorDash. I was doing whatever I could to make some side money. I was selling websites and funnels for next to nothing because I was just like, what can I do to make money to make this shit happen? And then I started, I took the approach that I took when I was architecting systems at Microsoft, right? I'm like, well, what can we make a robot do instead of a human? And technology's vastly advanced since I began you know, now, now it's like a doubt in science. Now I have a name for it, the dual funnel system. You know, I didn't know what the fuck it was back then. Um, and like, and it wasn't all roses, right? Like I told you, I got to 30K in a three-month time span. Like, well, when you're a solopreneur and 30K worth of volume to build websites and shit, like you can't, like you'd have a very hard time trying to fulfill that basically. So then I learned all the lessons of like, 
trying to hire people and get them to build websites for me. And then they're not building the shit. And so now I spent all the money hiring them to do it, but then they didn't fulfill. So now I got to fulfill it myself. And then I, I dealt with chargebacks and all this other shit. Like six months after that success, I was at the rock bottom again because I didn't know what the fuck to do. I ended up going to work at another agency. Uh, his name's Rudy Moore. He, he's pretty big in the space. Um, now like he even he's come a long way since i worked with him i helped him build and engineer his systems and helped him scale and i saw like this is how you run a team this is how you build a culture of people behind you so i did that for six months and then i went back to to big marv i recruited my little brothers my little brother job at boeing my other little brother was like repairing iphones i was like hey guys y'all want to help me build my business I'll teach y'all how to build funnels and websites and I'll go make the sales and we'll, we'll build this into an empire. Yeah. Oh then, yeah, man. And you got, how many of your brothers working with you now? Both of them. Like, oh, yeah. just, like, so out of all those siblings I have, I only have one little brother and the other guy that I call my brother, he's basically just been my brother for over a decade now. He was one of the first guys that I met when I moved to the Pacific Northwest, we became best friends and we've just been friends ever since. That's the freaking, that is the dream, man. You've got a business where you've been able to provide. My dad works with me and my cousin works with me and you're able to provide something of value to those people and, uh, and be the one like Ed Milet talks about and you're just getting going, man. So what's, what's your future, man? We gotta, we gotta, I want you to wrap this up with you. Tell us what's next for the big Marv brand. Um, you know, we're up against it now and, and what advice would you give to the, the early adopter or maybe even somebody who's a couple years in but somebody who wants to get into a, a similar space or just someone who's thinking about starting a business what what's your your big piece uh, to contribute to the kitchen table first what's well, next second your p- biggest piece of advice so what's next for us is dialing in and really productizing the dual funnel system so we can serve any vertical i'm going to be licensing it to other agencies so i can teach other agency owners how to build and implement my process without them having to go through the struggle bus of the last seven years of me struggling. I've got it dialed into a science that any agency, regardless of which vertical, can apply my dual funnel system and resell it to all their their clients. All right, so that's my big focus right now is doing that so I can pull myself out of day-to-day operations so the team runs without me. I think we're about seven, eight weeks from that. And then uh, as far as advice goes for other entrepreneurs, I just want to say the key to scale is process, right? So many people get into the entrepreneur game because maybe you saw this fucking video that was like, you know, make make, uh, $40,000 in four hours of work week or whatever the fuck it was. Everybody's got these big audacious goals of, I just want to be a millionaire. I want to have a nice car. Maybe that doesn't mean success to you, but maybe success to you is getting a farm in the middle of the mountains. But hey, those big Dodge Rams are still a $100,000 truck, you know? So um, it might... My biggest piece of advice is operate like you already run a $100 million operation. Mm. That's how we're building and scaling is my team and everything. We're a $100 million operation. Whether we're actually a $100 million operation right now or not, we're operating it like one. If you look at a big corporation, what do they have? They have teams, they have project managers, they have systems in in place. There's no single points of failure in the business. And, And so even if you're a solopreneur, 
start recording everything that you do. Start documenting everything that you do. Loom is a free software. Zoom doesn't cost you anything. Record your screen of everything that you're doing. So when it does come time for you to hire that first virtual assistant that's going to help you work your leads, you already have all these recorded calls and all these processes and everything recording. So now they can get jump started into your business because that's your quickest like once you get to the point of starting to hire people and building your team, that's the quickest way to pull yourself out of day-to-day operations and truly scale the company. If you're stuck as a solopreneur because you can't let go of the fucking reins because you want to do everything yourself because you're a goddamn perfectionist, that you're going to keep spinning your wheels on a hamster wheel of death. That's not going to scale your business. So take it from me as a guy that's built and failed and built and failed and built and failed and built and failed. Like, You got to get out of your own fucking way. Swallow your ego. You're not the only motherfucker that can do it. Record yourself so you can bring other people in to do that monotonous shit as quickly as possible so you can focus on scaling the business. Beautifully said, Marv. Beautifully said. Couldn't have said it better myself. And I've been there, done that too, man. Hell, I have a hard time even now, you know, and I've read every possible. I'm still reading as much as I can, but delegate and elevate, man. You know, you think that control freak in all of us, but you're just, you're only hindering yourself. You're stunting your growth and you're, you're not allowing your team, if you have one to grow, you know, and you're just going to be working in your business instead of on it. And you'll be stuck in that just like Marv said, and you'll never scale. So Marv, this has been awesome, man. Um, you know, we do 30, 45 minute episodes. Uh, I could do two hours with you. It sounds like so we might have to have you on again here soon, brother. And I will be a guest on Big Marv's podcast one day here, soon as yeah. he's ready to rock. We've already established that. I'm going to shout it out now. Do you have a name for it? Yeah, it's called Memory Lane. So it's going to be for any entrepreneurs or business owners that is, whether you currently operated or you exited, but you built a seven-figure plus business. And I just want you to walk us down Memory Lane and tell us how you got there. That is dope, dude. That's dope. Well. I'll be on it. So yeah, I know, I know you're there. So you definitely qualify as a guest. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I appreciate you, man. And I, uh, I look forward to getting with you here soon and I'll see you next month just before I get married. I'll see you in Dallas. And I look forward to talking to you real soon, man. I got nothing but love for your brother. Marv's been, uh, you know, one of those people within our, our mastermind group who I, uh, I can lean on frequently and just hook me up with Owen. Uh, I'm going to be doing, uh, I'm, I've jumped in with them, by the way. So when you all see my YouTube pop off, that's why. Like, yeah. And all right, I, brother. I did block out more time for this to t- chat with you after this. If you, uh, yeah, I am. I'm going to, but you know, we can't give them access to just everything. You know what I mean? We'll have to, that's, that's exclusively for me, by the way. So we're going to stop the recording. Love you guys. We'll see you next time. And if you are interested in, in the juicy stuff that Marv's going to uh, to be kind enough to pass on to me once we uh, click the record button off, I suggest you hit him up in his DMs and perhaps he'll even be uh, willing to take some clients on. Um, but, you know, you know how it goes, guys. If you're listening to this, you're an entrepreneur too. If you're good at something, never do it for free. So I'm going to jump off here. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. We sure do appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. And if you feel so inclined, please leave us a review. It is how new people find the show. Until next time, remember, there's always a seat at the table for business.